Yuchim haboyim b'shem Hashem Perachnuchem v'veis Hashem Welcome to the weekly shir And by that we mean weekly We began this week We began this week to read the Pashas The Nuchumish Vayikra Leviticus The first Pasha known as Vayikra for Vayikra El Moshe. The letter Aleph, as is known, the letter Aleph Vayikra is a small Aleph, Aleph Zaira. The reason being, as we all know, is for Moshe's modest humbleness. Moshe was very humble, says Rashi. And although the Almighty endeared his relationship with Moshe, so much so that he wanted to call to him in a special way, Vayikra, unlike with the prophets of the non-Jewish nations, who were referred to as Vayikor, And as much as Moshe begged and pleaded that he should not look haughty, he should not look his humbleness should not be exposed, overrated. The Almighty insisted the word Vayikra be used to refer to Moshe. However, Mesha takes the liberty and writes the word Vayikra with a small aleph. <coughs> Ultimately, because he wrote it with a lesser amount of ink than usual, than needed for a regular letter, when he f- completed the Tera, there was leftover ink. And it was with that ink that Mesha, the message tells us, with that ink, Mesha, wiped his face, and because of that, he developed this light, a blazing light that no man was able to look into the face of Moshe Rabbeinu thereafter. I don't know why. Okay. Vayikra is known as Teres Kehanim. <coughs> the laws of Karbonis, of sacrifices. No fresca. Should we go get? Yeah, get one. No, no, no. Tito's. Tito's a car. Around the corner. We have chips. Vayikra al Mesha, as we said, is the opening of Tayris Kahanim, the book referring to all the sacrifices. When the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitch Rebbe, who was, as we mentioned many times, raised, raised ultimately by his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, because his mother, Dvarele, had passed away when he, was very young, when he was very young, and she was very young, ultimately. In the year 1792, the day after Yom Kippur, was a Thursday morning, Tzemach had just turned that Tishrei three years old. That Thursday morning, the Al-Terebbe was very, very 
happy. The Altarebbe davened for the Omid. He led these services. He lamed the Teda. And then after davening, he asked that the child be wrapped in a talus, not to be exposed to anything outside. And the first place they went to was the cemetery in Lubavitch, to Rebetzin de Verlea's Kever. The Chassidim all followed, as little Menachem Mendel was carried to his mother's grave. And the Alter Rebbe said in front of all the Chassidim, Dvaralea, Bashter Nesara, Bashter, Bashterna, Bashterna, we want you to bless your son, it should be blessed, Shigadlu, Teda, Lechupa, Lemaisim Tevin. And everybody answered, all the Chassidim answered, Amen. They then <coughs> proceeded to the yeshiva, to the cheder, and the Tzavosedek was brought to the Malamed. And the first Pasuk the Malamed taught him was Vayikra el Meshe. We don't start teaching Bereshah's Bara. The first Pasuk the child is taught is Vayikra el Meshe. And he taught him the Pasuk. Then the Alter Rebbe said that a boiled egg should be brought with psukim that were engraved. And the, uh, the honey cake with honey and oil, also with psukim engraved into it. And the child ate from both. And then the child turned to his Zayda and said, Why is the Aleph small? The Al-Tarebbe didn't just give an answer to the little boy, but rather the Al-Tarebbe thought. He thought it through. And he said that Adam Arishain, as we're going to discuss, owned the world. However, by owning the world, he became a little bit haughty. And his gaiva expressed itself expressed itself in that he ate from the tree of knowledge. From the Eitz Hadas. Moshe, in turn, was very, very humble and therefore insisted that the letter be written in a small olive. And although in Divrei Ayomim it's mentioned, when it mentions of Adamarishan, it has a large olive. Here, talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, he wanted it with a small olive. And the Altarebbe continued to explain. There are three types of Jews, as there are three types of letters in the Sefer Teda. In the Sefer Teda, we have some words that have a large letter. Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekeno Hashem Echod. Echod is written with a, a larger dalid, and there are other letters also that are written larger. Then the majority of the letters, the rest of the letters are written average, except for the Aleph here, which is small. The Alter Rebbe says this expresses the three types of Jews. You have the Tzaddik, the Rasha, and the Benoni, the average. Hayes, the Teda, is written basically with an average letter. This teaches us that a person must strive to ascertain the level of the Benini, which the Al-Tarebbe ultimately wrote his entire compilation, <coughs> Tanya, and named it Sefer Shal Beninim. It's a Sefer referring to the Benini, teaching us how one becomes a Benini. 
The Atrebe then said, I'm Maimir and Adam Kiyakri Mikem. What's the in a moment. And they took the child, the Atrebe left and said that people should have a Suda now, they should partake of a Suda's mitzvah. The Atrebe left and everybody washed, and they took the child on a chair, and they put the chair up on the table, and they asked the child, No! Tell us, Yuzayda explained about the small Aleph, and he explained it exactly. A little three-year-old child. One of the oldest Chassidim there said that the Abish is Ben Shtake, that the Enekel of the Altarebbe, Menachem Mendel Ben Dverleya, Shtake give Nachas to all of us. And everybody answered, Amen. The Benini. The Altarebbe begins with a question if the Tzaddik The tzaddik does not sin. And if a tzaddik does a sin, he's no longer a tzaddik, but rather he's a rasha. So in that case, we're not leaving much leeway. There's extremes. But no, Siddhis tells us there's a bainani. Now the Benini, ultimately the question comes, we can't possibly say the Benini has half mitzvahs and half Avedas. Because once the person does an Aveda, he becomes a Rasha. And if the person has no sins, he's a Tzaddik. Let us therefore perhaps analyze at a different angle. We have a Yetzirah and a Yetzirah The evil inclination and the good inclination. They are in constant battle over the body, over the body of the person, the heart and the mind of the person. They're constantly at war. However, if you want to tell me that a Tzaddik the, is ruled by the Yetzirah and only has the Yetzirah and the Russia is ruled by the Yetzirah and only has the Yetzirah and then perhaps the Benini is Zevizah Shevton perhaps the Benini has both of them ruling equally they're both in the equal par that too does not float the boat So ultimately, the Benini, which we must strive to be, I had a very interesting experience this afternoon, speaking of Benini, <laughs> what, what good speech is that a speech without saying that something happened to me on the way here. A friend of mine came from uh, Montreal for a wedding. His origin is uh, uh, Brazilian origin. His father lives in Brazil still. And um, one of the shluchim in Brazil is making a chasana here. So he came from Montreal for the chasana. <laughs> and he's going to go back tonight on the bus to Montreal. So, Divine Providence, I was outside and he walked by. Now, we were study partners in yeshiva. And ironically, our fathers were study partners in yeshiva. He comes by and he's got a little pin in his jacket. It says BIT. I said, Yes, if what's BIT? She so says, It stands for Bainini in Training. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who gave it to him told him it's called, it stands for Bainini in Training. And um, he has a whole certificate to it, and, and it's a whole. <laughs> it's amazing, amazing thing. Punkt <laughs> today when we have to discuss the Benini. When a person davens, 
which we're going to discuss now. The service of God. As we say in Davening, we say in our prayers in the morning, that all the sacrifices that we are going to now read about, we are going to say in Davening, should supplement as if we actually bring the sacrifice. When we read the parsha of the sacrifice, it should be as if we brought that sacrifice. When a person davens, we see right in the beginning of the parsha, they remove the skin of the oila. The carbon oila was a carbon that was totally consumed in the flames. And it was chopped up. There are two services, two ways of serving God. One way that a person must be totally devoted and dedicated to what they're doing. When you're learning Teda, doing mitzvahs, at that point you're only spiritual. When a person is davening, they're connecting with God. It's just me and God. Now, unfortunately, and this is a very profound paper that I saw in someone's talus bag once in shul, it said, if you come here to talk, where do you daven? <laughs> which is amazing off the subject totally not even a tangent and had nothing to do totally unrelated a major whatsapp inspiration this week was sometimes life. we have to accept the fact that sometimes with a statue and sometimes with a pigeon It's a profound thing. No. no, 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 no. If you don't get it, then I'm more than happy. <laughs> okay. For those of you that uh, go to the parks and see what the pigeons tend to do on the statues, you'll understand what we're talking about. Okay. Um, I know what you do. Uh, we know, we know. Can you call my friend with my Ronan is only a, a uh, pigeon. Shh. So these Taita and Mitzvahs and Davening, a spirituality. A person spiritually is connecting to God. Now, the truth is that there's a Malach. His name is Malach Matat. Malach Matat, Kabbalah tells us, the Zohar tells us, Malach Matat has the hardest job of all the angels. You have Malach Mechol, Malach Rafol, we know about these Malachim. They come to heal, they come to... Wonderful. Malach Matat has the hardest job, and I want each and every... I challenge anyone hearing this tonight to try not to think about Malach Matat tomorrow and see if we can get away with it. Malach Matad's job is he takes the tefillahs, the prayers of the Jews and he cleans them up. Because during Davening people tend to think about all different random things. Especially if you tempt them, tempt them beforehand. Our, amongst our wonderful school pranks we once, there was one guy who was very, very serious Davener. And it used to make everybody nervous because we're boys, we're kids, we're 14, 13, 14 year old kids. And yeah, it's nice to be dominating in serious. But, but we were kids, we you know, they gotta have some kind of life here. We didn't talk in our children, Chasashon. But before davening, we told this guy when you get to the Lamashinim Alti Yisikva and Shmanesha, don't think about purple monkeys. That was it. Needless to say that everybody davened Shmanesah very quickly to wait and watch what, see what this guy's reaction is going to be in the middle of Shmanesah. And lo and behold, he turns the page and he gets to the machine about the secret and bursts out laughing. Poor guy. <laughs> Burst out laughing in the middle of davening. 
you just see, you can now visualize those purple monkeys running around across the shoal. Um, <coughs> wicked children we were. Um, so, davening, we always tend to have certain thoughts that enter our mind, because after all, the Yitzhahara is not, not happy with us just sitting and davening and praying to God. He gives us, we think about anything. The famous story that I've told a million times, the two people came before love with a, a very deep litigation. You can all imagine getting into such litigations. It was Reuben and Shimon, and Reuben said, I lent Shimon money. I don't remember if he paid me back. And Shimon says, I borrowed money. You see, I speak English. I know what difference lend and borrow means. I'm very good at these things. Uh, I borrowed money from Ruvain, and I don't remember if I paid him back. We don't know what to do, Rebbe. So, the Rav looked at his watch and said, you know what? It's time for Mincha now. Why don't everybody daven Mincha? Everybody daven Mincha. And after Mincha, we'll sit down and discuss it. And they said, good. And they sat down, they stood there to daven Mincha. And after Mincha, all of a sudden, Reuben says, I remember he didn't pay me. Shimon says, I remember I didn't pay him. And everything was settled and he paid up his bill. They asked it of, how did you figure that out? How did you get that idea that we should have a mincha? And remember... And the rabbi said, very simple, during Shmanesra, you think about everything but Shmanesra. So therefore you thought about the loan. Amen. 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 In the middle of this year. Stop it. He's in the... you, you, we're on the recording. You're killing the recording. <laughs> so when a person is devoted and dedicated to God, serving the Abishter, these are spiritual things. So the person has to try to immerse in the divinitator, to uh, inject in his divinitator a spiritual meaning. And this has to enter into him totally, into his heart, into his soul. And not only that, it should cause an actual effect. It should have effect on the person that he's davening, that he's learning. It should affect his actual soul. Then there are those mitzvahs. that a person needs to do, and he can't be totally within them. Eating, drinking, on Shabbos and Yom Tif. Or eating and drinking just during the week to keep yourself, to sustain oneself. It's a mitzvah. You need to look after yourself. You need to eat, you need to drink, to be able to sustain your body. You need to make a bracha before, a bracha after. You can't be totally in your food. The famous story of the Baal Shem Tov. We took a Samidim for a walk on Shabbos. They went, the, stu- the students went for a walk, and he showed them in the house, in someone's house. They were there sitting by the table with this pot of cholent in front of him, with this beautiful high strimal, with this shiny bekesha, 
was sitting a cow. A cow was sitting in a streimel and a bekesha and was eating this big beefy chont. The Talmidim were quite taken aback. The Balshemta said that because the person became one with the food. He became one with the food. It's not he ate the food and said the food is sustaining him. He became the food. He was it's all about him and the food. Person cannot reach that level. And if the person does, then it's God forbid they're not serving God by doing this. And they're only doing it as a taiva. This perhaps is hinted in what the Pasuk says. That the concept of bosor and er. Bosor, the meat, is a concept of eating. And the food becomes one with the person. It becomes his blood, it becomes his body. Dama basa kibsari. Masha'in came the air, the skin of the animal. It's not fit for consumption. It can be used as a garment. It can be used for other mitzvahs. I mean, I hope nobody from Pita is listening to this year. <laughs> oh, listen to what I'm saying here. Uh. The same too, similarly, is the service of God. When we serve God, we have the things that we need to be totally one with, and they need to cause the person, to affect directly the person, totally, his basar, and you have those that have to be with Ur. That don't go within, don't enter in the person. And this is what the Pasik says, Vihivshit you must strip it off. Don't think, don't error and think that the concept of Ur is Basar. That they fell, the skins are the meat. Or vice versa. You must remove the air from the basar and be careful that they don't mix. Now the fact of the matter is, when you deal, I don't know, for those of you who have a skinned an animal, or if you ever took the hide, or the, the leather, or whatever it might be used for, it needs to be clean. If it's not clean, it doesn't work out. You can't work it out properly. You can't make it for a bottom for filling. Even though they make the bottom from children, if you use it and it's not clean properly, it, it doesn't shape. That's all there's to it. The Pasuk then tells us, they take the carbon, the, chick, the bird, and they squeeze it on the wall of the Mizbeach. And Rashi says, "Kevish beis hashchita al kira mizbeach v'adam is matzo v'yeded." They take the place where the neck was slit. This is on still in chapter one, verse fifteen. Rashi says they put it and they press it against the mizbeach, and it drips down the wall. Chassidus <coughs> explains. The Ramban said, when a, what is the whole essence of a carbon, of a sacrifice? What should the person be thinking about? A profound, profound thing, says the Ramban. A person sins to God. When a person sins, they sin with their body and with their soul. And it is befitting 
the punishment for such a thing, since when a person sins, they sever themselves from God, it is befitting that they be severed, and that their blood be spilled, and their body be burnt. Would it not be, says the Ramban, for the kindness of God, who takes in exchange a sacrifice, and the blood of the sacrifice is instead of the blood of the person, and the, the meat is instead of the body of the person. And this Hasidus explains that the fact that we bring the fat and the blood of the Karman on the Mizbeach is brought up onto the altar because this is the forgiveness on the sins of the person. By the person being makriv, the person bringing forth this to the Almighty. <coughs> Instead of deriving pleasure from chelboi, from the worldly pleasures, in a place where a person's mind and essence is in the worldly I- issues, And a person gets involved in these things that you see a person, literally the blood boils. This should all be done for the service of God. We should dedicate, we should channel all these powers and all these actions to the service of God. And this is what it says in Rashi here at the end of the service of Karban Eila. That the Kapara comes through the Karban because it's kavish as satainu The person conquers his pleasures, his worldly pleasures. And the blood now run, runs down. That all the flames, all the pleasures the person has in this worldly, th- worldly actions are squeezed out. And they find that they come closer to God. In a city of Radovshis, there was a holy Rebbe who the Chassidim went to for brachas and for advice. But they used only the spiritual requests. They didn't hinder the Rebbe with physical problems and issues. It was a large city, many chsidim, but most of the area was owned by a certain poritz, a squire that was an anti-Semite. This squire limited the space to where the Jews could actually exist. And because there, although the land was vast, The Jews did not have any place for a cemetery. And for someone, if someone passed away, God forbid, it was two, two and a half hours to take the person to be buried. Depending, of course, on the weather, if it was a bad winter weather, who knows how long it took. And every time they came to the Puritans to ask for a cemetery, they wanted to buy land for a cemetery, not only he refused and berated them, <coughs> But even after he finished with them, he raised the taxes, or he came up with something else. So it got to a point where the Jews literally were scared to ask. But the issue became very pressing. It is very difficult. You can't have a large Jewish community and not have a cemetery. Finally, it was decided to take a contingency and to go speak to the Rebbe. They all got together, they fasted, 
to the mikveh, they davened, they said till him, and finally they came before the Rebbe, and they told the Rebbe the story. And he obviously knew there's no cemetery, and they told him why there was no cemetery. The Rebbe told them, go to the Paretz, and tell him he has to give you the land. If he doesn't give you this land for a cemetery, somebody else is going to end up buried there. So he shouldn't be a wise guy. Wise no, guy. they took his advice. Oh yes, I forgot to show you that. I did. You will transfer it to my account. You transfer it to my account. And they went to this potage, they were scared, but they never told them what to do. And they again asked for the cemetery, and again they told them, he berated and screamed and yelled. And they told him the message from the Rebbe, that if he doesn't give it for the Jews to be buried, somebody else is going to end up there. Pirates paid no heed, but threw them out. short while later the Pirates was celebrating a certain day and he said he was going to take his wife, his wife, his children and their wagon and travel the entire province to greet everyone and he was going from farm to farm and everybody came out and they were waving as they loved him but it was all out of fear they knew they had to show tribute to him Finally he said, you know, I'm going to go see this land that the Jews keep asking about for a cemetery. And they roll out there, and he comes to that plot of land, and all of a sudden he hears the wagon driver screaming. And the wagon comes to a halt. He starts to ask him, what's going on? Why aren't we moving? And the wagon driver said, the horses are sinking in the mud. This is the summertime. There's no rain. There's no puddles. All of a sudden, there's this puddle. And the horses are sinking. The horses are sinking. And as much as he hits the horses, the horses are not pulling themselves out. They just keep going deeper. And then they notice the wagon is sinking. The puddle spread. And finally the king, the potters decide he better watch out over here for his family. He jumps out of the wagon to take his family out and he realizes he himself sinks into the ground. Barely did his life do they pull him out of the mud and they put him back in the wagon. But the wagon is getting deeper and deeper. And finally the king, the potters and his family climbed on top of the wagon. The puddle had spread, there was nowhere to go. And the people were running and they were coming and they were bringing and they were taking. Every time they showed up with another rope, the puddle spread further. They couldn't reach to the rope. They put blank planks of wood, the wood sunk into the ground. They were helpless. Finally, someone mentioned, why don't we go call the Rebbe from the town? Paret said, the Rebbe, the Jew! And he realized, though, he's in more trouble than he thinks he is. He better change his mind. And he says, yes, yes, bring him. And they run, they greet, a half hour later they show up with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe looks at what's going on in the scenario. And he tells the parrot straightforward, will you sell us the land for a cemetery or not? And he said, yes, I'll sell it. He said, give me it in writing. He said, but I'm thinking, it's give me in writing. And the parrot writes on a scrap of paper that he had that I'll sell the cemetery to the Jews he says I'll give it to you he says no 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 you're going to sell it to me and he takes the paper and he puts it in his shoe and he throws the shoe to the Rebbe 
that the Rebbe says to the horse, to the wagon driver, hit the horses and let them out. Tell them to take you out. The horses are up to their neck in mud. <coughs> but, what else is he going to listen to? And he hits the horses and lo and behold, the horses pull them out of the mud. They come out and they get out of the danger area and the wife wanted to hug the Rebbe but you know, obviously it doesn't work that way. And the pundits came over and told the Rebbe that anything you want is yours. <coughs> I want you to please come to the palace to see me. <coughs> A few days later, the Rebbe travels to the palace and they draw proper legal documents. They sell, they buy this land, pays for the land. And the attitude of the parents changes totally. An attitude, a strange way of doing things. If this fellow, this Rebbe was able to do things such a way, why didn't he just do it directly and tell the parents he has to sell it? Levitzer Badichev, the holy Badichev, was head of Hebrew Kaddisha in his town. Amongst the many insights that Hebrew Kaddisha can give you about your life and the end of your life, one of the things they can tell you is your last pair of pants has no pockets. You can't take it with you. Shleimer, one of the elders of the town, was lying graces. He was lying and dying. Oh, that rhymes, you know. So. <laughs> ooh, ooh. As he's lying there dying, and the Hebra Kaddishas around him is a minion of Eden saying, Tillim, the Badishava notices that he's crying. And he turns to him and says, Vaz what are you crying about? You're an elderly Jew. You had a nice long life. You're surrounded by children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. The Hebrew Kaddisha is here. You did enough. You did nice mitzvahs in your time. You did good things to people. Boaz let's be honest. I might have been a nice youth. I might have done some good things. But how many good things? We know it says, Asher Mishabolakan v'talmudibi yodri. That it's a message on the gates of heaven that says how great, how beautiful is it for the person that comes to these gates with learning, with his learning, his study, his Torah study in his hand. I'll get, even if I get into Elam Haba, you know, if I get into Gan Eden already, what are they going to give me? A little, uh, a rickety chair with a broken table. He was crying. But then you said, that's what you're worried about, Elam Haba. Yes. What about if I told you I give you my Elam Haba? What are you talking about, Eben? My portion of Elam Haba I'll give to you. But, but, Rebbe, is that even possible? He says, yes. And he called together the Tamidim, write up a contract, I'll sign it. And he gives them the paper saying that his, his world to come, he's giving, the Badinchev is giving this man. The man, if he would have had the strength, would have jumped up and started dancing. Unfortunately, he could barely muster a smile. He could barely breathe. But he was so exuberant. He was so happy. He was so full of joy. And at this point, with his paper in hand, he turned to his family and he blessed them and he blessed the Kavrikadisha. 
And he turned to the wall, closed his eyes, and gathered himself to his fathers. After the Levaya, the Talmudim went to the Baditshev and said, Rebbe, what was that? Who is he? He must have been a hidden tzaddik. He must have been somebody very special. You just gave him your Elam Abba. The Baditshev said, not to my knowledge he wasn't. So he must have done a very special deed. Not to my knowledge he didn't. So what did you just do? Why did you give him your Elam Haba? But did you, say, did you see how happy he was? When he got my Elam Haba? That five minutes of happiness, of joy. If my Elam Haba could accomplish that in this world, it was worth it for me. It was worth it for me to do the five minutes to give a Jew joy, to make a Jew happy on this world, if the price, even if the price was my entire world to come. Similarly in both stories, how the world needs to be made a better place. And therefore it needs to not just force the parents to give the house, to give the land. And not just the Badichava telling the man, stop being a fool and smile, you're returning your soul to its maker, and that's the Tachlis HaKavana, and that's what the world is for, and that's why we're on this world, to after 120 years return the Neshama, and the Neshama Tehera goes back to where it belongs. That's not what you're doing, that's not what he did, that's not what he could have done to be able to inspire this man, but rather... He gave away his whole Elam Haba. As this Rebbe did, made this whole Mephis with the mud and the thing in a barren rock land that they didn't even know if they'd be able to dig a grave there. Barren land in the summer, the heat of the summer, where everything was dry, became a puddle, became wet, became so muddy that they got sunk into it. And that's what Asher Nosi Yechta, which carries sins of Rashi, in Teres Kahanim is brought down, Loshen Ashrei. Asher Nosi is Asher, is Loshen Ashrei. Ashrei Hadir Shahanosi Shalei Nason Leim Lehavi Kapod Al Shigigosei. How great is it for a generation that it's Nosi, its leader? Gives his entire heart to bring kapara on the sin. This is what we explain in the world of our life. The Medish Tanchuma says, the world is considered a goof godl, and the person is considered an elam cotton. The world is called a large body, and a person is called a small world in the list of oxymorons that we come up with. <laughs> like driving on parkways and parking in driveways. Oh, we have a guy who petitioned. Someone asked a question today for the petitions. If a person's cross-eyed uh-huh. and they're dyslexic, do they see words straight? No. no. Okay. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. But the guy asked like, a very deep question. He says, Would we know if there was a word misspelled in the dictionary? <laughs> anyway, <gasps> the goof goddle and the alum cotton. The world is a goof goddle and the person is an alum cotton. According to this, just like the goof goddle has to have a nosi and a melech, so too the alum goddle needs to have a melech, a king within it, a leader. And the king is the head, the reish, the meach, the mind <coughs> that rules over the body. This is hinted in the Chazal. If a person wants, if, if the generation wants, that the, the, if the nasi, the leader wants, that his generation should not, God forbid, sin. 
that his behavior needs to be in the beginning a level of ashray. That he himself concentrates. That the mayach, the mind, the nasi is shalit al-alev. Rules over the heart. As brought down in the 12th Patek of Tanya, 12th chapter of Tanya. That she call Adam Yachol Bertzene B'meichai Shemimeichai Lis Apek Vodim Shal Beruach Ta'avosei Shemalibay Shalimla Is Ta'ivas Libay Maisa Dibur Omachshava That the person, each person has the capacity and capability that he could control through his mind that rule over the body to rule over the Ta'ivas the frivolous things that a person wants and yearns for, whether it be in Misa, action, Dibur, talk, or Mashava, even in thought, the person can rule and control it that this should not enter into his system. On the other hand, if Chas Vishalim, Rahman al-Litzlan, we are Nikshal Bechet, we fall into the sin, even by accident, Yes, tshuva is, is, is pertinent. Yes, tshuva is, comes has to a, a, a light side to it, but that's still not enough. It doesn't give kapara, but the person needs to delve into the depth of what went on over here, and then hanasi shalei nesin lev. His nasi, the head, the mind, has to cause that the heart should be bent, the heart should be broken, so that through this the person can wipe out and eradicate the wickedness and the bad and the evil that had come within him. And this is how the Pasha starts off. Adam Kiyakriv Mikem, and the Altarebbe explains... Not Adam Mikem Kiyakrim, but rather Adam Kiyakrim Mikem. Not a person that brings one of you, a person amongst you that brings a sacrifice, but a person that sacrifices from you, from within yourself, a person brings a sacrifice. As we know, As we know, that a person has, as we spoke before, the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah. And the person, the Yetzirah, needs to sacrifice the Yetzirah. Needs to bring the Yetzirah on the altar. Needs to take the Yetzirah to task. But not only destroy and eradicate the Yetzirah, but the Chassidus tells us to make the Yetzirah want to do what the Yetzirah does. To turn the Yetzirah's essence around. <coughs> that is the Adam Kiyakrim Mikem. And as we discussed in the beginning, the small Aleph. As we said before, the Divrei Ayamim, the Aleph of the word Adam, when referring to Adam Arishin, is a large Aleph. This is where we come into play. When a person bonds himself to God, like the Pasuk says, Vayikra el Mesha. That the Jew needs to know through humbleness, he needs to know what his value really is. And by a person knowing his true value, the person can ultimately come to self-nullification. Come to such a self-nullification that he puts a small aleph. But as long as a person thinks that I am greater than that, it doesn't go. 
like bringing in Sefer Divrei Yomim, which talks about the world, when the world is being created, the physical world. There you need to go into a big Aleph. When it comes to conquering the world, a person needs to go on a big level. He has to know that he rules the world because Bishvili Nivra Ha'elam, the Gemara for those keeping score at home, Mesechta Sanhedrin, Lamed Zayin Amar Aleph, 37, side 1. The Gemara tells us Bishvili Nivra Ha'elam. For me, the world was created. When it comes to dealing with the physical essence of the world, the person needs to know and carry the big stick. How did that president, that Antasemit, say it? Carry a big stick and walk softly. Okay, someone's going to Google that for me. Unlike that little baby that Googled how to cut the umbilical cord. No, 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 that's not going but going, referring back to Adam, Mikem, Rashi says, Adam. Why does Lama Nemar, why does it say Adam? Why does it say Adam? It just say, Kishiyevi Karbane, when you bring your Karbane, why does that say Adam Kiyakriv? And Rashi answers, Ma Adam Arishin, Lehikriv, Minagezel, just like Adam and Ishan never brought anything that was stolen. Yeah. Why? Because Shakil everything was his. You too should never bring a carbon from Gezel. We have to understand. What do you mean everything was Adam what everything belonged to Adam Rishan? Adam Rishan ever made a Kenyan on everything that it became his? How did it become his? Speak softly and carry a big stick. Speak softly and carry a big stick. It's walked the other way. Okay, good. The Rambam explains in Hilkos Malachim, when it comes to a king, that kol oretz kevish harehi shalei. V'neisin l'avodav l'anshim l'chomo kifim ha-shiyirtzeh u'meniach l'atzmei kifim ha-shiyirtzeh. When a king conquers a land, everything becomes his. And he can give out and divvy up to his servants whoever he wants, and he takes whatever he wants. So we see from there that through kivush, through conquering, person can conquer and own, take ownership for the entire nation, the entire land, and doesn't need to go out and literally lift up each each item to own it. So the fact that a king, through Kivish Milchama, through conquering of a battle, can conquer and can take ownership, because the other king that owned it till now, he went to battle with and he lost, the other king lost him. <coughs> so when you want to take the land out of this person, you go in and you conquer him. Masha'enken, if there's no other king, Then everything belongs to whoever's ruling. <laughs> like the guy who didn't sit by the window seat on the plane. He wanted a window seat but didn't sit there. Finally, someone asked him, Why didn't you ask the person by the window seat to change with you? He said, There would have been someone there, I would have asked him. If there's no other king to conquer, to fight, to, to protest, then the person takes rightful ownership. So therefore we say, since Adam Rishon was created, and he was the only creation of the world, the only man, therefore he ruled the world. If he ruled the world, everything was his. So therefore, just like he took only things that were his to bring as a sacrifice, so too only we can bring only something that's ours for a sacrifice. And it, not, it should not be taken ever, God forbid, from Gezel. But Kiyakriv Mikem, therefore the person <coughs> is bringing his own essence 
as it's mikem, it's from you, it's something that belongs to you, something that's within you, that you're going to bring. Makriv also means not only to bring as a sacrifice, but as we said before, to bring closer, and you're going to bring your entire essence closer to God, and by bringing it closer to God, and as we come this Shabbos, is Vav Adr Sheni, and we go into Erev Zayin Adr Sunday is Zayin Adr Sheni, and Zayin Adr Sheni, is the yard side in the birthday of Meshach Rabbeinu, as we spoke in Adarishin, and Vav Adar, as we said in Adarishin, was then the Adarishin was the yard side of the Rashag. We should be zeicha ve'kitzul rani shech they offer like the like the the, the 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 Navi, the prophet says that they all should come and they should awaken and they should sing and they should dance and we should all go out to greet Mashiach Tzedkenu and the Rebbe should take us this Shabbos or before. This Shabbos, on this Hey Other, take us out of Golis into Yerushalayim, Irak Kedesh. Shabbat Shalom to all. Okay.